they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Good afternoon. This is February the 4th. It's the first Friday of February. And we will begin with the Angelus. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived by the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners. Now and at the hour of our death, amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it done unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners. Now and at the hour of our death, amen. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O most holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech you, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, again, this is actually February the 4th. It is the first Friday of February. You heard the introduction to last week's program. So let's, let's change the date here to February 4th. Welcome to Bible with the Barbers, and thank you for listening. I want to thank all of our, our supporters, especially all of us, all of those out there who are supporting us, supporting us by listening, by praying for us, by sending us money or contributions. There's a lot of volunteers, too, who are local, who are able to come in and help with different projects we have, like the, the Spiritual Warfare Conference we had last weekend. So the local volunteers. And I want to thank all the little radio stations that are picking us up. Thank you. And spread the word. Please tell your friends and your families about this. You know, they say your show depends on ratings. So, hey, people, you know, if you like this show, please share it and like it and, and let your friends know about it, you know, on Rumble and Facebook and spread the word around. Get the app on your phone. So you have your friends download the app, you know, just, just keep doing it. It's like that. The one man, you've heard it on the advertisements where he kept telling his friend about it and his friend wouldn't download the app. So finally he said, can I see your phone for a second? And he downloaded the app for the guy. And the guy was really grateful afterwards, but he just didn't do it for himself. So sometimes we need to help people out a little bit. So what I want to talk about today is I want to talk about the humanity of Christ and, and his human knowledge. What did it mean? The Son of God became man. And what does the church teach us about this? And again, people recently have been saying sometimes, uh, you know, our, our faith is uh, unreasonable and it's insane. And it's, well, no, actually, the, the Catholic faith is very reasonable. Okay. And we believe the Bible because God revealed it. Okay, it's his revealed word. But, but the Bible doesn't interpret itself, all right, completely. We, we, we know that the Bible can't contradict itself, but there, there are apparent contradictions when we read it at face value if we don't know the historical background, if we don't know the language it was written in, if we don't know the intention of the author, if we don't know the audience to whom the author was written 
uh, the, the, the book was written. It, it appears that there are contradictions. One of the contradictions people sometimes point out in the New Testament is St. Paul, in the beginning of the Acts of the Apostles, the story of his um, meeting the Lord Jesus on the road to Damascus, and, and the, the people who are with him, they hear a voice and they see a light. And then later on when Paul tells his story, he says, well, the men with me did not see the Lord, but they did not hear his voice. And, and you're like, well, did they hear his voice? Well, no. Remember in the gospel when Jesus is he's there and he's praying and the people hear this sound as of thunder and somebody's like, oh, an angel spoke to him. But they don't understand what was said. Yeah, the, the father spoke to him. It was a voice. It was the father's voice speaking to Jesus. But nobody understands what it said. They thought it was thunder or something, you know. And, and, and so the men with Paul hear something and they see this light, but they don't hear what's said to Paul and they do not see the Lord Jesus. Now, you can express that in several different ways. And in Acts, you know, we're, we're on, in Acts 10, I believe it is, where, where Paul is, is knocked down to the ground on his road to Damascus, it's said one way. And then in Acts 22, when he's telling about his conversion, it's said another way. But it's not contradictory. And so you look carefully at the text, but also understanding what did the author intend and, and what, was his, um, who, what was his audience, Okay, so you have, an, you have a fourfold gospel, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And all of them tell different, different stories from the life of Christ, from different aspects. And remembering, they're covering a three-year period. So Jesus may have preached the same sermon more than once in three years. Um, maybe? And he may have told the same story. And there, you know, so, so you have this, and, and like that, uh, um, you know, he goes and he has the centurion servant that he heals. But in another, in another gospel, it says it was an official. Well, it could have been a centurion in all, you know, the same person. And it, or it could have been that he went to that town more than once. Um, where was the centurion from? I can't remember. Remember, he comes out to meet the Lord. And Jesus says, I've never found this kind of faith in Israel. The centurion, Jesus says, let me come to my, your house and I'll heal the servant. And he says, no, Lord, you don't need to do that. I'm a man of authority. If I tell a soldier, do this, he does it. And if, you know, they do what I say, I understand authority. All you have to do is speak the word and it will happen. And then he goes back. And, and um, so you have the, the healing of his servant, or is it the healing of his son? Or is it possible that there was a, a synagogue official whose son got sick and Jesus healed him? And there was a centurion whose, whose, whose servant was sick and Jesus healed. And so that there were two different healings. You know, you're talking about three years, and the only gospel that makes it clear that the, the public life of our Lord is three years long is the gospel of John, which, by the way, uh, many scholars say is the most uh, ethereal, up there in the air, and so removed from reality. And, and it's funny because John talks about light and darkness and life and death and fire and water. <laughs> he talks about very earthy things, and every statement in the gospel of John that's rooted in this earth also has a spiritual significance. John's gospel is very spiritually significant, but that doesn't mean it's removed from reality. It's very historical and, and it's very rooted in history. And John makes that clear and he makes some observations. You know, when Judas goes out and it was night, he's making an observation about the actual time of day it was. But he's also, as Bishop Sheen said, yes, it is always night when we let the devil take over in our soul. Because remember when Jesus hands Judas 
the morsel of food, it says that Satan took possession of him. And so Judas went out and it was night. So whenever we give ourselves over to mortal sin or completely capitulate to Satan, it is always night. Sin brings darkness. So the human knowledge of Jesus Christ in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, this is one thing about our faith. It is very reasonable. And it is the Catholic Church who interprets the scripture for us. All right. And we're told that the Blessed Virgin Mary, the angel Gabriel came in the sixth month and he said, hail full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Hail full of grace. She who has the perfection of grace. You've always had grace. You're continuing in grace and you'll always continue in grace. All right. Kekari Tomini. But, and then he tells her, he says, you will have a son. And, and, and he will be the son of God. And Mary said, how can this be since I know not man? It's like, well, Mary, wait a minute. You, you know, you're, you're, you're married to Joseph. By the way, betrothed. That wasn't just engagement. It was betrothed. Remember, Joseph was going to write a bill of divorce. <laughs> Why would he write a bill of divorce if they were only engaged? No, they, they were married. Now, they never consummated that marriage because it was a virginal marriage. And Joseph, in order for it to be a true marriage, had to know that Mary had committed herself to the Lord in virginity. She had consecrated her virginity to the Lord, so she belonged to the Lord. And he had to agree to that in order for it to be a true marriage. And the church declares that, yes, it was a true marriage. So the angel comes and he says, to paraphrase the Gospel of Luke, God wants you to be the mother of his son. So she knows. And, and she's, well, how can this be since I know not man? How can I have a child? I've, I've vowed myself to virginity for life. I'm not going to break that. Joseph has already agreed to it. We're going to live a, live a virginal marriage. And the angel said, the spirit of the Lord will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. The, the, the Trinity is being revealed to Mary in that moment that there is God the Father, there is his Son who will become incarnate in her womb, and that will happen through the power of the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit. So Mary is now receiving the revelation that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that he's not a solitude unto himself, but he's a trinity of persons. And Mary accepts that. But remember, God gives her the grace, and she knows the scriptures, and she knows them very well. God has prepared her for her vocation. So she accepts to become the mother of God. So what does it mean that God, the second person of the Blessed Trinity, becomes man? He takes to himself the human nature and unites in himself the Son of God, the second person of the Blessed Trinity. One person unites two natures, a divine nature and a human nature. So that now the human nature he assumes from his mother is going to be raised to the level of unity with the divinity. So that the human soul of Jesus Christ from the first moment of its existence is filled with the grace of God. Not only filled with the grace of God, it's filled with the divinity. It is, it is united to the second person of the blessed trinity. Remember your soul, the faculties of your soul are intellect and will. So here you have Jesus. But it was the second person of the blessed trinity who becomes God in the womb of the Virgin Mary when she says, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to thy word. The Feast of the Incarnation, March 25th. That's the day the word became flesh. And when we say the Angelus, we celebrate that three times a day. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. 
the second person of the Blessed Trinity, really became man. He really took to himself a human nature. But that human nature is fully divinized and fully united to the Godhead, not just in time, but it will remain for all eternity. He is the God-man still in heaven. So what about his knowledge? It's interesting because we've had some heresies throughout the years. You know, if you go back to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, this is, um, that talks about the incarnation, paragraphs 461 and following. And it talks about some of the heresies, you know, that true God and true man. What does this mean? Well, paragraph 465, the Gnostics and Docetism. These first heresies denied not so much Christ's divinity as his true humanity. So you had heresies in the beginning that denied the true humanity of Christ. All right? And so you, know, you had church councils that had to answer this and, and describe what do we believe? What is it that we be- believe? And then there's Arius, who doesn't believe that the second person of the Blessed Trinity really became man. Okay? And you have Nestorius and the Monophysites. And these, these are in paragraph 465, 466, 467. And it goes through, and it continues on. So God really became man. He knows what it means to live within the limits of our humanity. But at the same time, he is truly God. So his human nature, his human intellect, and his human will are informed by his divine intellect and his divine will. Okay? So oftentimes within the Catholic faith, I shouldn't say oftentimes, the Catholic faith does not go against reason. God gave us our reason, our ability to think and to, 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 to know and to come to conclusions. And our faith doesn't deny that ability to reason. But our faith goes beyond reason. All right? We can know from, the, from our intellect that God is God and we are not and that God is the creator of the universe, that he's the source of all beauty, of all goodness, of all truth, that he has ordered because, because the universe has beauty in it. The universe has goodness in it. Um, God is truth. We, if God is God and he made all that is good, he, he has to be truth. And ordered, look at the order in the universe. We can know. It's like that. Um, can you see the wind? But you know the wind exists, right? And we say, oh, I see the wind. Look at the trees are moving. Do you see the wind? Or do you see the movement of the trees? I see the wind. The birds are fighting against it. Do you see the birds struggling against the movement of the air currents? Or do you see the movement of the air currents? We know the wind by its effects. So we can know God. There are ways we can know God through the use of our reason. But there are certain things we can't know about God without the gift of faith. We can't know that God is a trinity of persons unless he reveals that. And since God is God and he made us and he loves us and he wants us to enter into union with himself, 
then he reveals himself to us and he makes himself known. Okay. So, but the Christ's soul and his human knowledge. So you had this um, in paragraph 471. It talks about Apollinarius of Laodicea, who asserted that in Christ, the divine word had replaced the soul and the spirit. Now, Apollinarius, in other words, it's a heresy. And he says, really, no, it was just, it's the second person of the Blessed Trinity animating a human body. But he doesn't have a human soul or spirit. So he doesn't have a human intellect and will, the soul, the property, the faculties of the soul. Well, no, against the error, this error, the church confessed that the eternal son also assumed a rational human soul. And there's a footnote there, and the footnote is number 100, and it's from um, uh, Damasus. And um, you'd have to look that up in the Fathers of the Church. But, but the point of it is that, <coughs> excuse me, God became man, and he, he really did assume a human nature. A human, and, and so that, that human nature really has a body, and a human soul, a human intellect, and a human will, all right? So if the letter of Pope Damasus says, you know, said that we have, we have condemned the ill-instructed disciple of the, heret, the, the, heret, the heretic Apollinarius, who was a disciple of the, there was a man named Timothy, not the Timothy of Paul's letters, not the Bishop Timothy, but another Timothy. And um, this is in, you know, 387 AD, with his impious teaching, nor do we concede that his relics have any value because he's not a saint. It says, Christ, the Son of God, our Lord, won the fullest salvation for the human race by his own passion to set the whole human race free from the crimes of, of the guilty. If anyone should say he lacks anything in his humanity or his divinity, he is full of the spirit of the devil, the one who says that Christ lacks something in his humanity or his divinity and has shown himself to be a son of Gehenna. So if we deny the humanity of Christ, we, what we're saying is not true. And the Pope is saying he belongs to the devil because we're not telling the truth. We have to be careful when we lie. You know, it, it puts us outside of God. God is truth and he doesn't lie. And he can't be deceived or he cannot deceive. And um, so why do you ask me again to condemn Timothy, who has already here by the judgment of the apostolic see been condemned with Apollinarius, his teacher? So apparently someone was asking him to do it again, but he's saying it's already been done. We've already done this. So, but the point of it is, is what? That Jesus really assumed a human nature. Okay, so he really assumed a human nature. So, so what? So paragraph 472. This human soul that the Son of God assumed is endowed with true human knowledge. As such, as human knowledge, this knowledge could not in itself be unlimited. Okay, so as human knowledge, it has a limit. As it has a limit, okay? And it was exercised in the historical conditions of his existence in space and time. This is why the Son of God could, when he became man, increase in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and men, and would even have to inquire for himself about what one in the human condition can learn 
only from experience. So when the second person of the Blessed Trinity becomes man, God doesn't have a body. So now the second person of the Blessed Trinity gets to experience what it means to live in a human body and to have a human intellect and a human will. Okay? And, but, but remember, he is united to the divinity. Okay? He's united to divinity. So, it, it, for instance, you know, in the gospel, it appears that Jesus doesn't know certain things. Like when the apostles ask him about the day and the hour of the last judgment. And he said, it is, not, it is not for anyone to know. Only the Father knows this. Well, is he saying he doesn't know it? Well, Pope, Greg, Pope St. Gregory the Great says, Thus also the Father alone is said to know because the Son, being consubstantial with him, on account of his nature, so the second person of the Blessed Trinity, he's consubstantial with the Father. So the Father and the Son don't keep any secrets from each other. There's nothing the Father knows that the Son doesn't know. By which he is above the angels, the second person of the Blessed Trinity is above the angels, has knowledge of that of which the angels are unaware. Thus, so the angels don't know the day or the hour, but God knows, okay? Thus also this can be more precisely understood because the only begotten having been incarnate and made perfect man for us in his human nature indeed know the day and the hour of the judgment but nevertheless he did not know this from his human nature it's not because of his human nature that he knew this he knew this because it was it applied to his mission to the self for, to come and save man as the second person of the blessed trinity so he knows it as the second person of the blessed trinity and his human nature is informed his human intellect is informed but it's not something for him to reveal. Everything that Jesus knows as God, he didn't come to reveal to us. He comes to reveal to us what we need to know to become children of God and to remain in union with God, all right? Therefore, that which in nature itself he knew, he did not know from that very nature. But God made man knew the day and the hour of the judgment through the power of his Godhead. So it's not from his human nature that he knows the power, the, the hour, the day and the hour of the judgment. It's through his Godhead, but it's also not for him to reveal to his, to his followers. So what the Father knows, the Son knows. And Jesus is truly the Son of God. The Son of God really did become incarnate. And so his human intellect is informed by his divine intellect. Okay? It's important to understand. Jesus didn't walk around not knowing that he was God. And a real simple, you know, if, you use your, if we can use our ability to reason, not our feelings, you know, it's not, how do you feel about that? What do you think? What is logical and reasonable? And by the way, this is our faith. It is logical and reasonable. Okay, but it goes beyond logic and reason. Okay, what do I think about that? Does it make sense that a person could be God and not know they're God? So the second person of the Blessed Trinity becomes man. He knows he's God. Well, if he were to hide from his human nature... <laughs> who he was, then, then, then Jesus would have been like a schizophrenic, okay? If his human intellect wasn't informed 
by his divine intellect. And if, if his human intellect didn't know that he was united to the Godhead and what his mission was and what pertained to his mission, um, he'd, been, he'd been walking around like a crazy man. But if you follow the Gospels very carefully and read them very carefully, he's not insane. And there's nothing crazy about him. The reason his family says he's insane is because he's walking around claiming to be God and he's doing miracles. And he does things like fasting. Maybe they think to an extreme. He does things like letting people demand, put demands on his time that would be beyond human ability to do were you not sustained by God. Which, by the way, became very typical of the saints. You know, some of the saints, their superiors wrote about them. Well, they have a big heart, but they have no prudence. They don't take care of their health and they don't sleep and they don't, they don't eat right. They, they just spend themselves serving the poor and, and taking care of the people that they're, and it's like, no prudence here, no prudence. So like, and so that's why Jesus' family was saying he's insane. Well, well, what did he say? No prophet is without acceptance except in his own home and by his own family. They, they didn't fully recognize, except for the Blessed Mother, Blessed Mother and G- Joseph when he was alive, they knew who Jesus was. They knew he was the son of God. They walked by faith. Remember, they're looking at this child when he's a little baby in the, in the crib. And as he's learning how to walk, yes, he had to learn how to walk. When he's, you know, he may have known intellectually, you know, the concept of how to walk, but his body had to develop like any other human child. And they're looking at this little child and they have to say, this is God incarnate. <laughs> and they have to walk by faith. You know, they're not seeing God before their eyes all the time. They're not seeing the beatific vision. They're seeing their son, the blessed mother, the son of, you know, the seed fruit of her womb. And St. Joseph, he's, he's been made the earthly father of this child by God himself. God chose Joseph. And so, yeah, they walk by faith and they have to look at this little child learning. And, and Joseph gets to teach Jesus how to do carpentry, how to build, <laughs> And in the meantime, he's like, but, but you're God. But, but Jesus has to learn what he didn't know by experience. He has to learn this. His human nature gets to learn by its experience in, within this world. So, yeah, his knowledge is not unlimited because of the human knowledge wouldn't have been unlimited in and of itself. But now take that human knowledge and unite it to the Godhead. And as Father Milady explained, He had a knowledge of the essence of things. He had the conceptual knowledge that we don't have. And again, our intellects are darkened by original sin and our wills are weakened by original sin. The second person of the Blessed Trinity, when he becomes man, the humanity he takes to himself is created in grace, in union with the Godhead. And even beyond what Adam and Eve had, because Adam and Eve had grace. They had, you know, God's life in their soul that God infused. But now the second, Jesus Christ, his humanity is actually united to the second person of the blessed Trinity. That's beyond anything that, that ever was before or ever will be. There's only one God man, Jesus Christ, the son of God who became man. And so yeah, he has a knowledge, his human intellect has a knowledge, even from the time of his childhood, that we don't have and we can't share because he's God. Is it okay for God to be God and me not to be? Can we give God permission there? You know, God, yeah, you have permission to be God in my life. You know, are, you gonna, are we going to let the God be the Lord of our life? It's like, you know, some people are like, yeah, Lord, 
you can be the Lord of my life. Well, part of it, you know, just, just don't interfere here. Just don't interfere there. As long as I can have, you know, I'll say my little prayers and I'll do my little devotions, but you know, don't really demand a lot of me. Well, wait a minute. We are gods. We belong to God. We belong to him. You know, we 